0: This is Greg Trainer with Accessible Hunter, along with my co-host, Mike Hudson from Roar Outdoors. And we'd like to welcome you to the Accessible Hunter podcast. Well, it's been a while since we had an Accessible Hunter podcast, and uh, Mike and I are glad to welcome Chad Wallagiera back, and we're looking forward to solving all the world's problems, or at least doing our podcast tonight, so thank you for joining us. Mike, are you with us, buddy? I'm here, man. Out and enjoying the sunny weather. How about you, Chad? We got a good connection with you.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My pleasure to be here, and we're, we're, get, we're at least going to discuss some topics. I don't know about solving anything.
0: <laughs> I like your optimism, man. Uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. It seems like I really shut down not only staying in the house, but I just haven't felt like doing too much. So I've been kind of uh, hanging low and and staying inside. I don't know what you guys have been up to.
1: Well, Go ahead, Chad. The only thing that's getting me kind of excited is planning hunts for the fall. We were going to get out and turkey hunt, but everybody that was going to go with me, they got shut in and, and couldn't make it over here. So it came and went.
2: Yeah, I've Wait. been in the, kind of the same boat, man. Our, our turkey season's still here until May, but most of the guys that come and film for me or call for me are from either the lower part of the state or out of the state, and, you know, they pretty much locked us down with no state line crossings, or I go down to Georgia and turkey hunt a good bit, and then they locked, they locked both borders down so you couldn't travel without, you know, being quarantined, so we couldn't figure that one out.
0: Did you get out at all yet, Mike? Uh, I I thought I seen some pictures of you in a ground blind here recently.
2: Yeah, I I went back in the back. We've got a I only got uh, fifteen acres, so but we've got a couple toms that are staying pretty close to the property. I can call them, but they are they're they're getting hung up on the other side of the creek. Um, but he he's been fooling me, man. The other day, my wife came home for lunch, and he was standing right in the middle of my field, about fifteen yards from my ground blind.
0: <laughs> That's always how it is. Whenever you're not hunting them, they're they're walking up to the car. He's hunting me. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's what turkey hunt's all about. I'm,
0: I'm telling you. I'm, I'm always, like, really excited about spring turkey. That's probably one of my favorite hunts to uh, do, especially here in Pennsylvania. And tomorrow is our opening day. Uh, last week, opening day before the youth season started. But I'm not even going to get to go out tomorrow uh, all the guys that I hunt with um, – I kind of told him, "Hey, I'm going to err on the side of caution and and just stay in and not uh, not go out." I I don't know if that's taking the easy way out or not, but with respiratory issues and things, I just can't can't take a chance on it this year. Yeah, it's I tough hear, choices, I think man. I would
1: slap my mask on and go out anyway, though.
2: <laughs> you could always <laughs> double mask it, man. Put on one of the N95 masks and then throw a camouflage one over the top. You'll be set.
0: I, I actually even bought a new a new turkey hunting face mask. It was one of the sitka sitka gear ones. Yeah. And uh it, it's a heck of a mask. I'd I'd like to try it out. Um I just I don't know, maybe maybe later on in the in the week the, the urge will get to me and I'll have to get out there. I won't be able to say no, but for tomorrow it's gonna be the first first opener that I've missed for a while.
1: Yeah, it give up. it a couple of weeks. You'll be able to you'll be wanting to get out there, Greg oh yeah that,
2: that urge to get to you man but you can socially distance just get the caller away from you man you'll be all right yeah that's that's that's
0: what everybody's saying uh i'm, I'm gonna have to give it a try and uh and don't be that...
1: don't be hugging right? him after you kill your turkey just that's right. <laughs> no kissing well, that, I, <laughs> that
0: that i can't guarantee guys because i get really excited whenever i kill a gobbler i'm hooping and hollering and uh
1: just that that's the the greatest
0: thing i think uh so i'd have to remind myself not to high five at least and and uh, try to try to stay calm yeah it's hard not to though man those birds get you fired up oh absolutely and uh i know we were all trying to plan some hunts and stuff uh maybe we could talk a little bit about what it takes to travel and and go on hunts uh maybe you guys could field field some questions or kind of give us an idea of what it actually takes to plan a hunt and to go on it uh i don't know if, which one of you guys wants to go first but i
2: know you have a lot of
0: experience on planning and going on out-of-state hunts
2: i uh, let let's let chad go i mean he he does a lot <laughs> more planning uh i, I, I kind of no,
1: i knew that was coming this way <laughs> <laughs> well i tell you what the there's kind of two different kind whenever you're going to go and hunt out of state you're either going to for me, I'm either gonna pick a, a group hunt somewhere that I think is pretty good that I'm gonna go on because yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the cheap way to do it because I mean you still have to travel. Some some of them will pay some travel expenses for you, but but most of them you have to get there yourself. But that that's kind of the cheapest way to do it. Say I'm, I've got actually got a hunt with outdoor buddies this year. I got selected to go to durango colorado for a mule deer hunt nice so i what i have to do is i'm gonna have to uh put in for the draw for colorado to draw a tag that's gonna be about oh that's gonna be about four hundred dollars for the tag and then just travel expenses getting there it i've discovered that no matter where you go it's going to be about thousand bucks to travel there and back if you're on a hunt absolutely
0: that's even incredible. if the outfitter, even if the outfitter provides the hunt free of charge, you still Correct. got tags. You still have travel expenses getting there, and that, that's something a lot of people, you know, have to consider. Is, you know, how many hunts am I going to go on, and how am I going to finance that? Yeah, that's
2: right. That's right.
0: Sometimes you so, got
2: guide service fees and there. It really just depends on the type of hunt you're doing.
0: Well, e- even to give the guy a even to give the guy a tip. You know, you don't want to be that guy that hunts all week and uh, has a great hunt and doesn't tip the, the guide, I mean, sure. you no. know, oh, even you that got... costs cost you a certain amount of money.
1: That's right. They're, they're working hard no matter what, even if you don't kill something. I mean, yeah, your guys, they right. there working hard every day. He, he, he deserves a tip. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, you know, got to take I, care of your people, man.
1: As, as I, a contrast, I, we also found a hunt, um, a book to hunt for my dad and I We're going with a couple of friends we're we're doing a mule deer hunt in wyoming and that one's going to be guided that's going to be 3500 for the guide fee so you tack on with that in the area we're going that's about that's about half of what that's half of what the average cost is for that area so we're we're going really that's really cheap for a mule deer hunt up there in wyoming yeah but that just goes to show you you go on a guided hunt It's it's going to end up costing about four thousand or so per person to go. Which, I mean that that's just that's just the way it is for hunting out west. If you're going to go mule deer hunting or elk hunting or bear hunting, something like that, it's it it's not cheap. It's not easy to do.
2: Yeah, that's one of the questions.
1: How do you get to go on these hunts?
2: And you know, you're on disability. It's it's the sacrifice you have to make. You know, we we've, we've got, all got choices. So. You either choose to go on those hunts or you don't. It's not like we got special privileges. We just opt to do things a little different.
0: And, and you don't have to go on a hunt like that every year either. I mean, that could be something that you really save up for, and that could be, you know, one of your bucket list items or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't go on a lot of out of state hunts every year or a lot of big, big money hunts if, if I can help it. And you know, you, you try to save and, and make the right choices that way. But you also have to kind of figure you know how many how many chances are you going to get to kill to, or how many chances are you going to get to have to kill a big mule deer or something like that? you know you want to take the opportunity when they present themselves too
1: Sure that's right. you have, you have to save up and you have to go do what you want to do, no matter what That's
0: right. I know
2: uh each state you know I know Chad mentioned it earlier, but each state has some hunts that you can go to that are in your state. I know South Carolina has multiple. Depending on what season it is, you just have to apply for them. Spots are limited, so you know you need to get in on those those applications pretty quick. But those hunts are you know usually more cost effective.
0: Absolutely, I know Pennsylvania does a good job with doing uh, like the goose blind hunting and some uh, deer deer blinds up in uh, state parks and things. They they do a really good job of getting people out where you have an opportunity to see a lot of game and have a good time, and it doesn't cost you a lot of money. It's just a draw-type situation where you put in for it, and if you're lucky enough, they they pull your, your tag number, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I know South Carolina does that, and a lot of times DNR will work with you on if you're out of state. Um, as long as it's a sanctioned DNR hunt, they will waive the fees and waive your hunt license fees. So, I mean, that's more cost-effective, and so that way it's, you know, it's opened up more broad to get more and more folks out. But
1: Sure that's why it's going to be good someday when we can do this podcast all on on multiple videos so we can get people from different states coming on because is I'm from Texas I have no idea what all is going on in South Carolina or yeah. or New, you know I I know a lot about New Mexico cuz I've been there but everybody's got everybody's got you know when they know more about their own area and what's happening Sure. So if sure. somebody could call me and say, "Okay, what's happening there? How how do I come? What's the best way to come and do out of state hunting?" And I know everything that's happening, and I, I even know so a lot of the groups in Texas and what, and what the good hunts are. So it's just it's really going to help when we can get somebody from each area on here to to talk about their own, at their own state. Yeah,
2: Chad, what's we- up? Go ahead, Greg. So,
0: no, no, sir. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. I was just going
2: to say, Chad does Does Texas offer a disability hunting license? The,
1: if, they, for they, if if they do, it's only for veterans.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: It's for wounded vets. The only thing you could mm-hmm. do, the only thing you used to could do is to get a permit to shoot a crossbow, but that they made it legal for everybody now. Okay. I know
2: South Carolina. Um, if you're if you're permanently disabled they'll give you a lifetime hunting and fishing license you just have to apply for it with a doctor's statement that verifies your you know your paralysis and uh they'll do that we're working to try to get it um where out of state folks can can come here and hunt too as long as they can just prove their disability I, now whether that'll pass or not we don't know
1: that would be great would... for every state because it's i mean it, i go hunting we've got i got family in louisiana and we go hunt there every year and that that out of state license is is expensive even just for sure for duck hunting for a few days
2: well i told him like we go down to georgia and hunt a lot and uh i told him you know yeah you pay 350 dollars for a big game tag and you can hunt for that season or whatever but if you offered a free hunt license for the disabled folks we would spend more money bringing our spouse or significant other or our caregiver somebody along because my wife is not gonna hunt she's gonna go to the salon we got hotel <laughs> expenses going out to eat you know, so we we're gonna spend more money than that 350. So it would benefit your state to you know bring us in and let us. Plus, it would give us more chance to take more
1: disabled folks. Sure. sure. When anything, when, anything to get more people out. That I mean, that's that should be their main goal. When you exactly. think
0: about all the all the money that's spent, you know, with hunting and tourism and travel and hotel and and everything, it's a big expense for for a week long hunt. I mean, even, even though your license is probably good all year you're realistically only going to hunt that week, you know?
2: Exactly. And, you know, a lot of times with paralysis, not everybody has the same issues, but you never know. I know know me, speaking for myself, I I don't ever know how I'm going to feel from day to day. You know, you end up with a UTI or something and knock you for a loop, and there goes all your planning
0: out the window. That's right. That's right. And uh, we're we're all kind of scrambling right now with our plans. I, I know, you know, we had different... Different ideas about where we're going to hunt this year and where we're going to go but right now we're kind of all on lockdown
1: yeah we're on lockdown but it's a, we just got our restrictions lifted last night so we're
2: i think ours are lifted next uh the end of this week it, that's that's
1: great it's going to come back pretty quick i bet you
2: i i suspect that's exactly what's going to happen it's going to Everybody's going to flood to get out, you know, cabin fever. And the next thing you know, it's going to come back twice as strong. So.
0: Now, Chad, talking about like restrictions in, in your state, and I know that you're a, you're a mentor at the local rehab hospital. Were you still able to go and, and visit and, and give people some, some type of uh, counseling there? Or
1: did, uh, they, did
0: they stop that uh, during the quarantine here? Or how did that work for you? I
1: think we could have, but nobody really went. You know, we were, everybody just, like you said, we just erred on the side of caution. So everybody, everybody kind of stayed away. It'd be too risky to take, to get in the rehab there.
0: Sure. So
1: I wouldn't want to be the one to bring it in. Sure.
0: Definitely not. uh, That's just such an important program, though. When Whenever I was at at Shepherd, you know, we had some people come in that were uh, post-injury for a few years, and you know they were kind of inspirational on on what they were doing with their lives, and I think that's really important uh you know the work that you do uh volunteering and, and going in i maybe you could talk a little bit more about that than than uh, I was mentioning there
1: yeah i forget, you know I forgot about if how much we talked about that last time, but you know it it it, it really is important, especially if you're in the in the outdoors game because that they really don't have any kind of outlet like to talk about that in rehab. So when you go, when I go in there, I'm the only one that has that expertise. So that, like I said earlier, it's just good for them to see that you can still uh, drive big trucks and do country boy things. When you go in there, it's, it's important to know that even if you, even if they can't do it yet, they just, people, people want to see that and it, a lot of times once they leave the rehab you you lose them they they go home and they get isolated and you never hear from them again so it's it's really important to reach them while they're in there. Yeah.
0: I've, I've got some serious big truck envy for both you and Mike. Uh, I, I I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm driving this big old van and you boys are driving new pickup trucks. Uh, truck Mike, you just got a new one. What what did you get? I got a
2: Chevy 1500 this time. I, I've still got my Dodge and I'm really debating on what to do with it, but it's, you know, it's starting to get where the, you can't get parts for the lift and, you know, it's starting to give me a little trouble. So I got a, a different, the Chevy uh, 1500 this time, opposed to as opposed to the Dodge, but this one is four wheel drive, but you know, that in itself causes its own issues because it's got the SBM lift on it. You've got to, You've got limited space between you and the transfer case for four-wheel drive. So it's it's uh, it's got its pros and cons. You just have to weigh them out, man.
0: What's that uh, Arrest Me Red? Is that a pro or a con? Do you find you get more tickets with the Arrest Me Red color, or uh, they just let you go?
2: You know, I'm one of those five-mile-an-hour over guys. <laughs> I'm really not heavy-handed. And so I just I set the cruise, and I just I enjoy riding, man. You know, that was my outlet when I first got hurt. As soon as I got behind the wheel of my truck, Man, it was over with. All I want to do is turn the stereo up, let the windows down, lock my cruise, and roll on, man.
0: That's definitely freedom uh, to be able to drive. And it's just such a beautiful truck. When you first posted pictures of that, I was like, oh, my goodness.
1: That is that
0: is the prettiest truck I think I've seen. You could put It's a work in
1: progress. You can put some big wheels on that van, Greg, and jack it up. <laughs> exactly.
0: I, I, I think that's the next step uh, here this this summer. I might get some different wheels and tires on it, uh just so I can stay out of the out of the ditches uh if I get some better get tires on it. Now they
2: make those in four wheel drive too, Greg. I was looking, man.
0: I, I got the front wheel drive on it. I, I didn't know that they that they did the four wheel drive, but I I'm glad I got the the front wheel drive. That's why I went with the Dodge and not a not a Ford initially. And um it goes pretty good and I really like that I can keep both wheelchairs in it, you know.
2: Yeah. I, I really weighed out my options on it. You know, I was looking at a van, but I wanted four-wheel drive. But, see, I like driving out of my chair. I don't want to transfer back and forth. Right, and, right. again, it's a pros and cons thing. But it, if I'm going on a trip, I don't mind the transfer over to the driver's seat. But if I'm running to the grocery store, I don't want the multiple transfers. All right. So it just made more All sense right. to me to to go with another truck. And Dude. And then I couldn't figure out how to do a van like that and be able to drive under. Everybody was telling me that they're not doing it. Especially in the four-wheel drive version, and you know, I'm I'm a South Carolina boy, man. I'm a redneck. I'm gonna put it in a mud hole.
1: Yeah, you you, you need a you need a you need a little minivan that you can just take to the store, and then keep your truck for everything. Everything.
2: <laughs> exactly. I got to win the lottery, man. <laughs> your,
0: your your driveway's starting to fill up pretty quick. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, but that's just the nature of the beast.
1: All right Greg shoot us a topic.
0: All right boys uh what was the one that got away and what was your biggest deer that you've taken to date?
1: Oh you you want I got I got a couple of I got a couple of the big ones that got away the, the, the <laughs> let me tell you the worst one the worst one we went, oh, to, really? we went to Alberta Canada to, to bear hunt it was a 6-day bear hunt and you could kill two bears and we saw we saw we rode around for for five days all day long we saw we saw like three three really nice black boars they were all black never could get a shot and the the last day the camp was right near this this big large hill that had like a clear cut straight up to the top of it and i told my guide i was like i'm tired of riding around let's just park here and sit and watch and uh it was the last afternoon, and a couple of elk came out about halfway up that mountain, and, and it, it was starting to get dark. It was about to be over. The, the guide was like, okay, you know, it, let's go. I, I had to get back to town, and he cranked up the truck and started leaving, and I saw this bear come over the top of the mountain. I was like, what is that up there? And he, and he stopped. He looked. He, it was the biggest chocolate, uh, chocolate phase bear that you ever saw and he was coming right down the mountain so he's got about he got about 600 yards to go to just he's just coming down the trail wide open straight to us and and when he I, you know i was sitting there dead to rights, just waiting on him to get into range and he got he he came over like this little rise and those two elks saw him and they charged that bear and ran him off the mountain ran him into the woods. oh
2: man no <laughs> kidding yeah that is crazy. That's, but That's a heck of a story, though, man. That
1: was sickening to go all that way. It, it's not easy to go to Canada to begin that's with. No, and I still dream about that bear. I, that that was the the one I got to go back for someday. <laughs>
0: Your heart had to be pumping so fast, seeing that bear, thinking just just a few more yards or a few more hundred yards that you need it. And not uh, to see elk run him off—that that's a story in itself, right there.
1: Uh, Absolutely right. I never, I never would have thought that they would have, cow elk would have charged that bear and ran him off, but they did. Wow,
2: that is crazy. <laughs> and so, what about the biggest one you got, man?
1: Uh, I I I only got a small sow bear so far. So I'm gonna have to go back. We're gonna we're gonna looking to going back to Alberta here in the next couple of years and go bear hunt again. There you go.
2: What kind of problems did you have when you got to Alberta? Is it, I mean, is it, nothing's wheelchair friendly in the
1: outdoors, but. Well, we stayed in, I think the name of the town was Grand Prairie. It's a pretty big town. We stayed right by a casino at a hotel there. So we had accessible rooms and we just, we hunted about half hour to 45 minutes outside of town. So getting, now, did you, getting there was not did so you bad. We flew with flew with guns, and and you can still do that today. It's no, it's not that. You yeah. know, Canada's real good because they have so many outdoorsmen coming up there. They they expect you to come with your guns and your rod and reels. Yeah,
0: I've never had any issues with flying with uh, rifles. Everybody's always kind of made a big deal out of it, but it's really a a pretty simple process and. I never had any issues with, you know, flying with a, a rifle or, or a crossbow, for that matter. Uh, you just have to follow the rules and, you know, get there a little bit early. That's all. Let them let them check it in. Yeah. You,
1: you would think a lot of people would be staring at you when you showed up to the airport toting guns. But it, it really isn't that big a deal.
0: <laughs> who, who doesn't stare at us when we're rolling through the airport as it is? You know, <laughs> oh, that's
1: right. I would miss it if people would quit staring
0: that's right that's right it is
1: what it is
2: greg what about the biggest one you got man i know you got well, some monsters. come on the,
0: the biggest deer that i've got is uh that that all white deer you know he's not an albino but he's he's the all white buck that i got with the tom uh, siple foundation and um i was on a hunt a few years ago and it scored uh i believe 172 and uh that's the biggest buck i ever got I've gotten a couple of nine points here in Pennsylvania, a couple of eight points, but that was the biggest deer by far I've ever ever seen in the woods. And when we went up for the the hunt, the outfitter was talking with me and said, you know, what's what's kind of your expectations? We got a bunch of deer on the property. It, it was a, a fenced in hunt, but several hundred acres. And he said, uh, we've got a white deer on the property. Have you ever thought about shooting a, a white buck and said well no i i really don't don't think so i've i've kind of heard you know people people don't like that it's kind of bad luck that kind of thing and then whenever i was sitting in the ground blind i seen this white buck walking through the woods at about 110 yards and it looked like a an elk it was so big it was like 300 pounds on on the hoof and I said, "Oh yeah, man! If it stops, I'm gonna going take take a shot at <laughs> you it." Could get the safety off fast enough? <laughs> I I could not I could not uh, get the safety off fast enough, Mike. That's <laughs> right. And I was I was using their 7mm, and yeah. uh, I put I put the crosshairs on him and dropped him right in its tracks. And uh, I was just tickled to death. And I, a guy said, uh, "I thought you weren't going to shoot that white deer." I said, "Man, that's the the biggest yeah. deer I've ever seen in my changed, life."
1: Changed your mind. Oh, yeah. That's, you know I, I some rare air right there. Anybody, one seventy is a nice class to be in.
0: Oh yeah, is, it is just a monster deer. and I'm sitting here in my bedroom looking at it, and it's in between two other whitetails, and these other whitetails aren't necessarily huge deer, but they make them look like like yearlings compared to it. It's it's something I look at every day, and and just kind of remember how lucky I was to get out and uh to be able to do that you know yeah yeah you
2: know, that's uh, just it man just anytime we can get and go that's the that's the nature of it
0: and uh to have the opportunity to be with people and then you know to have that taxidermy on the wall and there's a lot of days i i look at that and think you know man how lucky am i to, to be able to do something like that
2: yeah it's, uh, how, how it's about you, Mike? Something. well my biggest deer was also in pennsylvania i, I got him last year um and it was it was the same type hunt. Matter of fact it was with the Tom Sepple Foundation and uh lucky enough to draw a tag and they, they drew me a couple years in a row but I, I kept getting bumped and so this uh last hunting season they called me and said, No, you're hunting with us this year and uh man they I, I couldn't sing their praises enough. They're just class act people, man. You you get up there, they you want for nothing, the lodging is taken care of, food, I mean they just they're great folks, and then they, you get out on these plantations. And, I mean, there's deer everywhere, and, uh, you know, it, it's just a its a unique opportunity. And then if you do get lucky enough to take a deer, which I did, um, I killed a beautiful deer. They take care of even the taxidermy. Right. So it's just a—it's—it's uh, it's one of those things. My deer is supposed to be finished up and uh, here in the next month, so I'm jazzed about that. I don't know that I'm going to put him in the bedroom.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> i have got a spot on the wall for him. I just you'll you, you find a spot today. Uh oh. That he what'd you get? Oh, I killed I killed a big buck last December. In yes, September. you did. Yes,
2: you did. I saw that deer. That was a heck of a deer, man.
1: Yeah, we get invited to go hunt near Freer in the Golden Triangle down there. There's some big bucks running around there. We get we hunt we get to hunt on a beautiful ranch down there. So I'm, um,
2: I'm supposed to be coming to hunt Texas this year. So we'll, we'll see, but it's more towards uh, Dallas, San Antonio area.
1: The The only reason, the only way he might not go in my bedroom is I don't know if I have room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you're such a big buck killer, man. Your house just got to be full up with, with uh, trophy, trophy bucks.
1: Getting full. I might have to let my dad take him to his office for a while. There you yeah. go.
0: Rotate them in
1: and out. More people I, get to see them that way. I
0: got another question. I got another question for you guys, and you can you can tell me what you think. Uh, when it comes to hunting, like turkeys or or even deer for that matter, do you prefer being in a blind, or or do you like being outside of a blind and and kind of just just hunker down? now? What's your thoughts on ground blinds?
1: Well, for uh, me personally, I I prefer especially. I, prefer hunting, I like sitting. I like making kind of a brush blind or something or, yeah. you know, you're going to, you're wearing head to toe camo anyway. I want to put it to use. So yeah. I'll, I'll use that little throw down blind sometime just to, it kind of wraps around the bottom of the chair or I'll wrap some camo around the camo netting around the wheels and back up into the brush. Cause it, it's more, it's more of a, an outdoor experience. You you can hear more when you're outside the blind, and you can, you can see. It's it. I just like the experience better. It's 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 not, it it's not like you're closed up in a, in a ground blind. But but if I'm taking somebody with me, and you know you can get away with a lot more movement and noise when you're in a ground blind. So there, there's yeah. pros and cons to each one. I just it's usually beautiful out when you're turkey hunting. So I like sit, I like getting in the brush and being a part of it. Yeah,
2: I'm with Chad, man. If I can get out and not use a ground blind, especially turkey hunting, I'd rather do it. And plus, you know, a lot of times you have to run and gun. Sometimes you can't get the turkeys to commit. And you have to move around. Um, and so it's just easier to do that than having to zip or Velcro to get out of a ground blind to move.
0: I I think you guys hit the nail right on the head when you said about hunting with someone. If you're hunting with somebody, you almost need a ground blind because whether you want to talk or not, whether – you say hey we're going to be quiet and and not not talk too much you put two guys in a ground blind together they're they're going to talk a little they're bit they're going to talk yeah it's e- yep. it's and,
1: easier uh, to text on your cell phone when you're in a ground blind you don't have to worry about <laughs> busting
0: in and and that uh, camo netting that's come a long way it's gotten a lot better and a lot cheaper and i kind of wrap it around my chair now too and drape it over my gun mount and uh kind of do that a little bit if i'm running and gunning or at least rolling and gunning i guess huh i
1: was i was gonna yeah. say if if i was in a power chair i would definitely probably be in a ground blind but i really want to try that that new blind they have that 360 view blind that that might make it, yeah that, might...
2: that thing is that thing is amazing man we we go up to the national wild turkey federation um every year and they had it out this year and i got at it man it's it's like sitting in an HD TV. I mean, when you look at it from the outside, camouflaged up. When you look at it from the inside, it's all crystal clear. Who
1: makes that? Do you know, Mike? I I don't know right offhand the name of it. It is it. Isn't Primos? Is it?
2: I I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I um I'll find out the information to get it back to you this evening, and Greg can post it on the on the site.
1: Oh, it's a three hundred and sixty view blind, and I definitely have to get one of those someday.
2: They I tell you what, man. After getting in it. After getting in it, it is, it is like night and day. There is no blind spots. It's fantastic.
0: Ground blinds have certainly came a long way just this year. I know, you know, before, the ground blinds were really expensive. They were heavy, and not a lot of people used them. Well, now, now it seems like everybody's using a ground blind to film out of, and uh, so many guys are making a switch from tree stands to ground blinds. Just the quality of them's gotten so much better.
1: It has, and, and every, I think every wheelchair hunter needs to have one because it's it's just so convenient. You when whenever, Especially when you travel and go somewhere I've never been, I always take it just in case because you never know what situation you're going to be in. If if, if there's going to be an accessible blind there for you to use, it's it's always good to have one in tow in case you need it.
0: There, there's always a couple of things I keep in my van during hunting season. One of them is a, a target and the other is a ground blind. Yep. And uh, whenever I tra- travel for the hunch, you know, you always want to make sure you shoot your crossbow whenever you get there and check the zero and, and everything like that. So I always take a couple extra ground blinds and a, a foam target with me just so I can shoot. Even if the outfitter says, hey, we got ground blinds, I want to make sure I got one that I can pop up if, uh, if I need to. I,
1: I think we lost Mike. We'll have to, we're going to have to go on our own.
0: I, I think we did uh we'll have to have to forge ahead on, on our own here buddy I'll
1: tell you what let's here's a, a topic that no one's ever talked about I don't think yet greg is is about uh the TV programs and and having whenever they take disabled hunters out and and it, it you know it's a good thing it's definitely a good thing and they ought to keep doing it no matter what because any like like I say, any pub any publicity is good publicity, but the uh, it it's I think there needs to be a TV program where the disabled hunter is the host, and it's it's more on a regular basis. You know, to it's more important than say, okay, once a year we're gonna ha- we're gonna bring this disabled hunter out, and we're gonna do a show, and we're gonna we're gonna do all the work then we're just going to pull them up into a stand and have them shoot something we're going to take care of the rest that that because there's a lot of people out there like you and me and mike we hunt on our own most of the time we we do the work I, i'm the guide sometimes you know I, I we love to go scout and and i we know about how to hunt and how to find deer and to pre- to prepare and where to set up for deer and hunt deer and and, and they don't show any of that and that's really important for people to see especially the disabled and the outdoor population out there is that it's it's not just it's not just a charity case is you know what i'm saying it oh
0: i i do i i think you make a really good point that you know there's so many hunters out there with disabilities that are outstanding hunters that know what they're doing and they're not going on on the uh donated hunt or the we're going we're gonna to take this guy out once a year they're hunting every day and like you said you're actually the guide and know what's going on and I think that would be a really good situation uh, to get on tv that people can see you as being able and not disabled you know right and uh, I, I think that's a really good point and the more people you talk to about hunting and fishing and the more research you do you'll you'll find that there's a lot of guys like the three of us that are hitting it pretty hard and getting out there and uh, making things happen independently without necessarily a group or somebody sponsoring them, you know?
1: Correct. Right. And a lot of people, I mean, there's people that don't think they can do that anymore and they for sure can. And a, a lot of that's the best, the parts of hunting that I love the most is the preparation and the, and the getting to know the your animal that you're going after and how to do it, learning, learning how to duck call, learning how to call deer, learning how to rattle deer in. That That's right.
0: And uh, preparing for a hunt is at least 50% of the fun. So if, if you're going to the range and you're shooting your, your bow or you're shooting your rifle and like you said, practicing calling and, and getting ready and doing research on the, what the best ground blind is and, all that's part of the hunt to me, and uh, if we could show that uh, the the greater outdoors on, on a TV show,
1: I think that would be great. I think it'd be pretty cool to have, say say if you had a show with like three or four different hosts, all with kind of different disabilities from different parts of the country, that you know just to show a little different variety and 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 all and then then you take just a different hunter out each week that would be that'd be pretty darn interesting in my book
0: well we we definitely got the vehicles the ground blinds the shooting equipment to make that happen i think we need a couple of good sponsors and uh maybe we could make make a difference in in the outdoor industry you know
1: i think we could do it and it, it's 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 about time that somebody did do it so
0: I'd, I'd watch you we, we got we got to put in for uh the sportsman's channel we'll give those guys a big plug maybe they'll send down some producers to uh to, to let you start your show
1: when i get going i'll get you on with me
0: <laughs> dude i would love that i i really enjoy talking with you and mike and i uh look forward to doing some hunting with you i know when things settle down and we get you know around this virus um uh, it, it's got to open up that, that we can all get back together and do some shooting and maybe go on a hunt together.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's plant, let's plan it. We'll talk about it.
0: Sounds good.
1: Get the wheels did, in uh, motion. Did,
0: did I forget to uh, bring up any, any of the topics that we had wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, no, that, I,
1: gotta, I think we covered a lot, Greg. We'll, we'll save some for next time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's uh, plan on doing another one of these and we'll, we'll get uh, Mike back on and hopefully I get out turkey hunting and maybe can, Can get a nice-looking Tom here in a week or so.
1: Yep. Sounds good, buddy. I'll be waiting for the picks.
0: All right, Chad. Well, you take care of yourself, brother, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. And I I really appreciate everybody listening to our podcast. And if you have any questions, uh, put them in the comments, and we'll try to answer them maybe next week.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. See you next time. All right, buddy.
0: Take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today, folks. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, send us a message on our Facebook page. And remember, when it comes to the outdoors, no matter how you get there, get there.